0: And good evening, Hampton Roads, Tidewater Region, Northern North Carolina, internet listeners everywhere. We are here again for another episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. You're listening to us once again in Hampton Roads on WGPL 1350 on your AM dial you also find us at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com on the internet. We're here as always to break down, discuss, and offer insight into the dynamics of marriage and family relationships. We're just going to deal with relationships, period. And our mission is to help restore, rebuild, and perfect your marriage and family relationships. We want to help you get you together so you can prosper and be fulfilling in those relationships. Now, last week, I started a session on a woman's sexuality. I started off by saying that I wanted that broadcast to be the finale in the series that I've been doing on women's issues for about two months now, a little bit over two months. We've been dealing with women's issues, and I really thought that last week was going to be the finale in that series. But uh, once I got into the topic of a woman's sexuality, it quickly began to take on a life of its own, and I quickly found myself becoming engrossed in the issue. And the more I spoke about it, the more there was to say about the issue. And I realized pretty quickly that last week's session wasn't going to be the last in the series on women's issues. As a matter of fact, as a matter of fact, the issue of women's sexuality may form a short series all by itself. I'm going to try not to turn it into a series, but uh, it, we're going to have to do last week, this week, and next week at least. So we're going to have three weeks at least on women's sexuality. So the issue of women's sexuality will become a short series in and of itself. Um, I, I think it's just that meaningful and just that applicable to who and where Women are the the issue of a woman's sexuality is so central to her identity. So, uh, is so central to her being, such a core issue of her existence that uh, it deserves some time uh, all by itself. But I am working to get to the end of it. Believe me, I'm working to get to the end of it. Let me say also that this particular part of the series, dealing with the women's sexuality, uh, as I said last week, I said again, I'm actually targeting uh, women from about the age of 12 or 13 to about the mid-30s. So the target, target audience tonight, uh, if you're older or younger, you don't have to turn away. But uh, I'm really targeting uh, from about 12 or 13 to about the mid-30s. And even if you're listening at 12 or 13 or 14, hopefully I can give you some information that you would want to discuss with your mother or mentoring woman or first lady at church or some other uh, uh, woman who plays a significant role in your life. Uh, and I selected these ages because... Uh, These ages actually covers the beginning and the blossoming of a woman's sexuality up to the point where she's probably come to terms with her sexuality and become very familiar with the role that her sexuality plays in her life. So I want to speak to all of that forming period, that formation period. I want to speak to it. And again, just to help make sure that we stay on the same page tonight, uh, I want to recap how I defined a woman's sexuality on last week. And as always, we want to give you a working definition of what it is we're dealing with. So when we're talking about a woman's sexuality, uh, to me, a woman's sexuality is the way in which her emotional, her psychological, her intellectual, and her spiritual Uh, components, those components of her existence, they come together and they make her who she is. So it's her emotional, her psychological, her intellectual, her spiritual makeup, along with her physical appearance. All of these come together to make her particularly attractive to a particular man so a woman's sexuality is how her behavior and her disposition, her personality, her emotional stability, her level of maturity, the degree of maturity she lives by, and her physical appearance also, her physical appearance also, they all come together to make her the unique being that she is. And that, my friends, that unique being is attractive to a particular man. That is a woman's sexuality. And I I should point out that this woman, uh, this woman we've described, uh, is not going to be attractive to only one man. Uh, She's going to be attractive to more than one man. Uh, So please keep that in mind. Uh, but and not every man finds the same woman or the same type of woman attractive. So any woman may be attractive, will be attractive to more than one man, but not every man finds the same woman or same type of woman attractive. All right, and I'm, and I'm not trying to demean or insult. I don't intend to demean or insult anyone with the following comment, but I just want to make this point, and that's this point right here. Just as a person prefers prefers different combinations of toppings on their pizza and it appeals to their taste, so does a man like different personal combinations in a woman. Not making you a pizza woman, but uh, just using that analogy, that illustration there. Uh, different combinations come together to present different tastes and different tastes are attractive to different people. All right. Uh, so that's just the bottom line there. And I want to express to you that a woman's sexuality, like every other facet of being in a woman, uh, it's complex. It presents her multiple challenges in her life. Let me say that again. A woman's sexuality is a complex facet of her being, and it presents multiple challenges to her. And Some of these challenges actually turn into battles in the war for her womanhood. Yes, yeah, she's warring for her womanhood and many of the battles that she fight deal with her sexuality. And as I told you on last week, if you want to see this more in depth or you prefer or you desire to have additional information on the subject or additional insight into the subject, I recommend you purchase the book titled Every Young Woman's Battle uh, by Shannon Etheridge and Stefan. Arthur Byrne. Uh, That book will give you a lot more insight into what I'm talking about here. Now, a woman's sexuality, everything comes together to make her the unique individual that she is. Uh, Just everything about her, her personality, her disposition, her attitude, all of that. The woman's sexuality, it is a gift from God. It's a gift from God. Unfortunately, like other gifts we receive from God, a woman's sexuality can get twisted up in the game of life. And as a consequence, a girl growing into a woman, she may encounter various experiences that impact and deeply, deeply, deeply influence how she thinks about herself as a sexual being. Now, keep in mind also that we are not sexual beings because we have sex both men and women are sexual beings that have sex we are not sexual beings because we have sex but because we are sexual beings we have sex and what i'm saying to you is that uh, uh, as we grow as young girls grow into women some experiences they have they may be exposed to some things they may be they may struggle with some thoughts about their identity they may uh 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 be touched in certain ways. Certain things may happen. It can heavily, heavily, deeply impact and influence how she thinks about herself as a sexual being. It can deeply impact and deeply influence her view towards sex and sexuality. And when I say that a girl growing into a woman may have various experiences that impact and influence how she thinks about herself as a sexual being, I mean that some girls experiences, some girls, some things a girl experiences may influence her to become a sexual introvert. That is, she may think I shouldn't have sex at all. And then some girls will have experiences that influence her to believe that the only way she can experience love is through sex. The only way that she can feel important is through sex. The only way that she can please a man is through sex. Some experiences influence some girls who grow into women to believe that they should only have sex with other women. So all of the influences that a girl experiences during her childhood, during her youth, during her teens, as she comes into womanhood, those experiences have shaped her view of her sexuality and her view of her sexuality determines how she engages in sex. And even though having sex does not make us sexual beings, things that happen to us in life and how we're taught growing up deeply influence our sense of sexuality. The world-famous psychologist Sigmund Freud was convinced and pushed the theory that psychological development revolves around five stages in childhood. He called those five stages the five psychosexual stages. They included the oral, the anal, the phallic, the latency and genital stages. So the world famous uh, uh, psychiatrist, Sigmund Freud, he was so convinced that sex is such an integral part of our being that human sexuality presents such drives and, and determines so much of what goes on in the mind that you don't even develop. You develop at a rate of your sexuality. You develop at a rate of your sexual development and everything about your development revolves around the issue issue of sex and your formation of sexuality, your view towards sexuality. Each one of those stages that Freud mentioned represents a child being fixed on a certain body part. And I'm not trying to teach Freud a psychology here. What I'm saying is that a woman's sexuality and a man's too, for that matter, we get to men in a few weeks, but a woman's sexuality is heavily influenced by her childhood development, and that includes a lot of things that they do not experience and some things that they do experience. Let me say that again. While your sexuality, your ideas, your thoughts, your feelings, your concerns, your, your persuasions about your sexuality, it comes by way of some things that you do experience. And it also comes by way of some things that you do not experience. The bottom line is a woman developing her sexuality and living within the confines of her sexuality will have multiple challenges. That's what I want to really want to get to. She's going to have multiple challenges. And and so what's the purpose of all of this? What's the purpose of sexuality? If we're going to go through all of that, uh, what's the purpose of it? Well, the purpose of a woman's sexuality is to facilitate intimacy with a man. I am unabashedly, unapologetically, uh, incontrovertibly. I am of the persuasion that long-term romantic loving relationships are supposed to exist between a man and a woman. Marriage is between a man and a woman. So when I talk about the purpose of sexuality, to me, the purpose of sexuality is to facilitate intimacy with a man. That intimacy is physical, it's emotional, and it's spiritual. Intimacy is about connecting deeply on a physical, emotional, and spiritual level. And the point of intimacy is for a woman and a man to get to know, to accept, to appreciate, and to love each other on the deepest level possible. And we all exist on an intimacy continuum. Continuum married couples, husbands and wives, men and women, boyfriends and girlfriends, everyone exists on an intimacy continuum. If intimacy were rated on a scale of one to 100, one being not intimate at all, and 100 being so deeply intimate that it's unimaginably deep, <laughs> you know, some may be a 50, some may be a 75, some may be a 80, a 90, 95, some may be a 10 or a 15. We all exist on the intimacy continuum. And hopefully the longer we stay married, the more intimate we're becoming. And a woman's sexuality facilitates intimacy with a man. True enough, again, we are not sexual beings because we have sex, but rather we are sexual uh, uh, beings that do have sex. Sex comes along with our sexuality. Yet the male and the female bodies are specifically and physically designed for sexual intercourse. Men are made for sex with women and for a lot of women, I dare not say all or even most, but for a lot of girls and women, one of the most prominent challenges of their sexuality is how to fit men in it. Uh, And trying to appropriately fit men into their scheme of sexuality presents all kinds of sexual temptations, sexual challenges, sexual battles and therein lies the battle. Every girl, every woman has to deal with sexual temptation. Hey, you're listening to this week's episode of Marriage and Family Clinic. We're dealing with the second part of a multi-part series in women's sexuality, dealing with the subject of a woman's sexuality. And you're listening to us tonight at Hampton Roads and WGPL 1350 on your AM dial. You can also find us on the internet at www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. And as always, I'll need to hear from you. Email me at Hodges at hotmail.com. And if you want to hear this or any other of the broadcasts, you can check out my podcast. You can go to iTunes and search C.D. Hodges' podcast, or you can use that little purple podcast icon on your smart devices and search C.D. Hodges' podcast. And you'll find us there. You can listen and download at your pleasure. All right. So last week, I gave you some clues that you were in the battle, woman, girl. I gave you some clues that you're in the battle. And I think that's important because some women may be in denial about being in the battle. And again, for girls as young as 12 or 13 and up to the mid-30s, you're in the battle of sexual temptation. Uh, And uh, so please remember, if you're constantly watching movies with graphic sex scenes, you're in the battle listening to music, talking about sex and outside of marriage, especially, you're in the battle. If you act seductively to get a man or a guy's attention, you're in the battle. You have strong, consistent thoughts about keeping a boyfriend. I got to have a boyfriend. I got to have a boyfriend. You're in the battle. Listen, if you masturbate for pleasure or to avoid sexual activity, you're in the battle. If you think oral sex is not sex because it's not vaginal, If you think oral sex is not sex because you can't get pregnant, you're definitely in the battle. And because some of life's experiences causes a girl or woman certain pain that influences her thinking about her sexuality, listen, you're in the battle also if you feel you're somehow damaged goods because of past sexual activity. You believe, I want to make that plain, you're in the battle. You're in the battle. If you believe that because something happened to you or you engaged in sex outside of marriage or engaged in sex early or whatever the case may be, you believe you're damaged goods or you believe you're less valuable than anything like that, you are definitely in the battle. All right. So tonight what I want to do, I want to share some pointers that will help you win individual battles on the way to winning victory in the war for your womanhood. I want to talk to you about winning individual battles on the way to winning victory in the overall war for your womanhood. First and foremost, listen to the old-fashioned preacher here. First of all, abstinence, sexual purity, and sexual integrity, those are still the best approaches to dealing with human sexuality. Young women need to understand that the best way to preserve your heart, the best way to preserve your mind is to listen to the teacher that I told you about last week, Coach Yanni, who used to tell us, save it for the honeymoon. Save it for the honeymoon. And then if you save it for the honeymoon, you won't have that extra emotional baggage, those extra emotional scars that can present you. Uh, uh, uh several problems dealing with your sexuality after you uh enter a relationship in your adulthood. You won't have that extra emotional baggage, those extra emotional scars, and, and you can present yourself wholly to the one you've selected for marriage. This means not indulging in sexually steamy movies, music, books, so forth and so on. Keep yourself abstinence and I hope you caught that. Abstinence is not only refraining from sexual activity, but abstinence is also refraining from sexually steaming movies and music and books and, 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 uh, uh, my goodness, uh, BET videos, MTV videos, where they parade women around suggesting sexual activity, sexually suggestive poses and moves and, and gyrations, etc., etc., etc. You've got to keep your mind and your heart by remaining free from that type of behavior, that type of activity, All right. And so uh, uh, I want to give you uh, talk about a few myths here, Etheridge and Alderburn talk about in that book I told you about earlier. They list several myths if you've gotten wrong uh if you get this wrong it can intensify your battle dealing with your sexuality myth number one is it's nobody else's business how i dress uh i'm gonna start i'm gonna deal with this i'm gonna hit it real fast and i'm gonna get all off of this before you draw a conclusion that i don't mean for you to draw i'm not going to talk about men because this is a session on women and so, but a myth regarding sexuality is, it's nobody else's business how I dress. And that is absolutely unequivocally true. It's nobody else's business how you dress as a young girl or as a woman. But you're living in la-la land if you think the way you dress doesn't have something, uh, 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 doesn't mean something. You're living in la-la land if you think the way you dress means nothing to nobody. Oftentimes, the way a woman dresses has an impact on some demented soul out there. Now, please, again, don't run with that statement. I wouldn't dare blame a rape or sexual assault or anything like that on a woman's choice of clothing. Every woman has the right to wear what she wants to wear. Every woman has the right to be free from assault. Every woman has that right. But like I said, you're living in Lala land if you think what you wear doesn't mean something. Because there are some diminished souls out there that will do whatever regardless of what a woman wears. You know, it concerns me when every spring we see news stories on television, on the internet and everywhere else about girls who are not allowed to attend the prom or girls who are dismissed from the prom because of skimpy clothes. If a girl or woman has to shimmy when they rise from their seat, they probably have the wrong thing on. You know what I mean? They shimmy from side to side, sliding the skirt or the dress back down. If that's the way you have to uh, carry yourself, you probably have the wrong thing on. And what is the purpose of wearing a itty-bitty dress or a blouse that reveals all kinds of cleavage or wearing a dress that barely covers the buttocks? What's the purpose of it if it's not to attract attention from men? Or is it that a girl or a woman wears those type of clothes because she's just that vain about her body? The truth is either one of those are unhealthy. Another myth is the young girl who believes she needs a boyfriend to feel love or that having a boyfriend will solve her social problems. Wrong. A girl or a woman who believes she needs a boyfriend or a man to feel love or to feel like she's she's loved or or she, she can give uh, love or receive love. Uh, uh, all that means is that you're not ready for a relationship. If you believe that you need a man or a boyfriend in your life to feel love or to be loved or to give love, if you believe that, that's the best evidence that you're not ready for a relationship. You know, the movie uh, 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 Jerry Maguire, it was fun to watch <laughs> It really was fun to watch, and and Jerry Maguire and and, uh, Renee Zellweger, her character, they, they got married on a whim so forth and so on, some weird thoughts about their sexuality. But but they split up for a while. There was some distance between them. They didn't know if the marriage was going to work or whatever. Uh, Jerry Maguire is at the ball game. He decides uh, he has a good experience there and has nobody to share with. He runs back to the house where Renee Zellweger's character is, and and she's in the house with a bunch of women, and they're bashing men. And uh, Jerry Maguire walks in and and uh, he's talking to the character played by Renée Zellweger and he begins his speech and he's talking about how something special happened and he didn't have anybody to share it with and 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 and, and, and you know you know the movie and then we get to that point where Renée Zellweger says just stop just stop you had me at hello now how romantic was that you know exactly the part of the movie I'm talking about. If there's any part of that movie that you like, if there's any part of that movie everybody waits for it's number one, show me the money. And the next one is, you had me at hello. And then after that, Tom Cruise says, you complete me. And this is what I really want to get through right here. That statement, you complete me. Even though this was a really, really, really romantic scene and, and, you know, it almost makes you want to shed a tear or something. Here's the truth to that matter. There is no one in the world who can complete you. You shouldn't think that you need another person to complete you. No other human can complete you. You shouldn't even consider giving someone that type of power in your life. No one can complete you. You are complete even when you're single. You need to understand that you are complete with or without a man. You may be growing and changing, but you're still complete. You may be dealing with some issues, but you're still complete. You may have just left the relationship or you may not even have been in a relationship for a long time, quite a while, but you are still complete. You would do well to work on your own sense of wholeness, work on your own wholeness before inviting someone else into your life anyhow. Because if you're looking for someone to complete you, if you're looking for someone to make you complete, you will never know who you are. You will never be sure of your identity. You will never have a fulfilling relationship. And you will never really be complete because you believe someone else can make you complete. No one else can make you complete. You have to work on you so that you can be marriable. I may talk about that sometime in the future, that phrase, I like using it. You have to work on you so that you can be marriable. You have to work on you so that you can be dateable. You have to work on you so that you can attract not any man, but the right man. There's more than just one man for you. There's more than one man who can do it for you. But you need to work on yourself work on your baggage, work on your past, work on your personality, work on your attitude, work on your disposition, work on all those things, work on all those facets of you that come together to make up your sexuality. Because all of those things about you come together to make you attractive to some man. The difference is going to be made in how you view your sexuality everything about you. And remember, nobody can make you complete. Listen, I'm I'm running out of time real fast here. Again, we will be back next week. I'll let you know that right now and hopefully conclude this uh, three-part series on a woman's sexuality. But I got to bring this part to a close. Uh, I want to stress this point to every young girl, every woman out there though. Your sexuality is a complicated matter. It's a part of you that makes you who you are, but it's a complicated matter. And a great part of what makes your sexuality so complicated is the strong emotions that go with your sexuality. That's a story for another day. We'll get to it, hopefully. But your sexuality is a complicated matter. And if you want to have a fulfilling life, if you want to win the war of your womanhood, conquer your sexuality. If you want to win the battle of your sexuality, work on you. Listen, we're going to continue this discussion at the same time next week, so join us here, won't you? We're going to be right here in Hampton Roads, 1350 a.m., uh, uh, and we're going to be on the internet, www.christianbroadcastingcompany.com. Again, if you want to hear these or other broadcasts, check us out on iTunes or check us out on the podcast app. You can search for us, the C.D. Hodges' podcast. So glad to see you. Email me at Hodges at hot, hot, Excuse me, please. Just trying to use my time here and hurry up. Also, look me up on Facebook, Bishop Carl Hodges. I definitely need to, definitely want to hear from you. Hey, that's all we got for this week. And remember, you can't have peace without surrendering your life to the Prince of Peace. We're out of here. God bless you.